Yeah, I've, I've said that to people. I'm like, hey, if we can't find a place, we just pull off to the side of the road and park somewhere there in Portland and fit right in, right? <laughs> so I'll even be considerate and make sure I empty my tanks where they're supposed to be. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, we're excited to see what the Lord's going to do and excited to get to Portland and uh, start, start uh, doing some groundwork and witnessing. And my prayer, and you can pray f- along with us, is to have uh, two families that we reach over the winter from December through uh, April that uh, we can work with when we start the church in May. Um, and so you can pray, pray about that with us, and, uh, but we're excited to see what God's going to do. And, um, but uh, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 26. One of the overall characteristics that I've heard about Portland since I've moved up to Salem and um, even myself can testify to it is that uh, Portland is a dark place. Uh, Many people have said they don't know what it is, but they just drive through the city and they can just feel the spiritual oppression and just the there's just an evilness there, a darkness there, a spiritual darkness. And throughout Scripture, I mean, you can read hundreds of verses about darkness and light, um, comparing the two. And uh, for instance, John twelve forty six says, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Ephesians 5, 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. And here in our text of Acts chapter 26, in verse 18, this is, Jesus speaking to Paul on the road to Damascus, and uh, Paul is uh, sharing his testimony with King Agrippa in this chapter and sharing what Jesus told him in verse 18. Jesus, in speaking to Paul, what Paul is supposed to be doing, uh, he says in verse 18, "...to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them." which are sanctified by faith that is in me. He kind of gives Paul some insight to the condition of the people he is called to reach with the gospel. Um, Verse 16, Jesus says, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. And then he goes into uh, the purpose to be a witness and uh, to reach the lost. In verse 18, uh, talking about uh, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And I thought about that with our society we're in, and I'm, it's exactly what we see in our, con- in our country. Uh, people are walking around like they're blinded. Their eyes are closed. They're just... Uh, some of the decisions they make, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and you just wonder, what are they doing? And you know the story in the Bible about blind Bartimaeus. It's a great picture of salvation. Of, he was blind and God gave him sight. And uh, this world without Christ, they're walking around blinded. It says, secondly, that uh, to turn them from darkness to light. They're walking around in darkness, spiritual darkness, that they don't... They, uh, the things that are logical to us and uh, straightforward to us, they can't comprehend it. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to them. And then the last uh, thing he mentions here is from the power of Satan unto God. And that popped out to me a lot. You know, there is a spiritual evil going on in our country. And I know there's areas that are stronger than others, uh, but throughout our whole country, there is a power of Satan amongst people. And sometimes we can 
just get upset and frustrated at the way people are acting and what people are doing. And uh, we know we fight, fight with the flesh and the world, but another power is Satan. And Satan is working amongst people in this world to keep them from seeing the truth. Turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3 uh, shares a little bit about this. 2 Corinthians 4.3 says, but if, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Remember that when you decide not to share the gospel or share the word of God with folks, it does not affect me. It doesn't affect your fellow brother or sister in Christ. It only affects those that don't know it. And then he goes on in verse 4, he says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light, there's that word light again, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So Satan's actively working to keep unbelievers from seeing the truth. That's why it's hard to go out soul winning. It's not easy in a sense that uh, uh, people are just always wanting to hear the word and are always excited when I knock on their door. No, that doesn't happen, <laughs> uh, especially up here in the Northwest. You know, <laughs> a lot of times it's, it's uh, one out of 10 that uh, people actually want to talk with you or actually don't uh, yell at you and say, get off your porch. Uh, but we shouldn't be surprised at that when we understand what Christ is trying to share with us in the scripture, that there is a spiritual battle. People are blinded, they're in darkness, they're under the power of Satan. So how do we reach a world that is in this condition? How do we reach a place like Portland, a place like Seattle? I know I prayed that many times, especially after the Lord confirmed that we were going to go to Portland. I said, Lord, how do I reach people in Portland? Is there something new? Is there something different? Am I missing something? Is there a better way to portray the Word of God? And over and over, and uh, there's a lot to talk about that, but the God over and over share, showed me that it's, they need the Word of God. They need Jesus Christ. And we can sometimes uh, put our expectations, our life experiences on other people and get upset at them for the way they are acting, the way they are living their life. What do I mean by that? What am I trying to say? Well, I praise the Lord for my godly heritage. I was raised in a Christian home and had godly parents that made sure I was always in the house of God and uh, was at every activity, everything that went on in our church. We were there. My mom was very much involved in the church and uh, didn't come from necessarily a family as a, I wasn't a PK, I wasn't a pastor's kid or anything, but my parents, parents made sure I was in the house of God. And I went to Awanas at the age of five. <laughs> I remember being a Sparks, you know, <laughs> and uh, memorizing lots of verses and just uh, getting the Word of God in me at a young age and knowing what God says is wrong and what is right and how we shouldn't live our lives and uh, the, way, the things we should do in our life. And we can put those things that we have learned in our life, and I know I'm guilty of this, on other people's lives, and say, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you acting this way? Why are you doing these things? And we get a disgust for their lifestyle so much to where we don't just hate the sin, we take it a step further and we start to hate the sinner. We start to be disgusted with them. 
And I know I caught myself with that attitude, uh, especially in 2020 when we saw the riots and all the craziness happening in Portland. And I know for you guys in Seattle, you know, Salem is only an hour from Portland. And uh, it was frustrating to see on the news these people and the just outlandish things they would do. Uh, not destroying property, but not just destroying property, going to the extent to destroy lives and just do crazy things. And I'm, I know many times I would see people's face on uh, that screen and just say, can we just wipe these people off the planet, Lord? Why are these people even here? And we would get dis- I would get dis- a disgust for them. And I know many times I've read in my Bible and the Lord convicted me of that. And one verse particularly where it says in 2 Peter, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I was like, man, God, I don't think he can, he looks at anybody in this world and just says, you know, I'm just going to flick you off of this. <laughs> I, don't, you're, I don't even love you anymore. Uh, but we do that ourselves. And we can just put an X on people's life and say they're never going to get saved they don't care about the things of God. I'm not even going to try anymore. Maybe you have a relative that would fit that description. Maybe a coworker, maybe a neighbor that you said, I've, I've given them gospel tracts. I've tried to uh, share Jesus Christ with them and uh, invite them to church and love on them and be a blessing and do what I can, but they just never listen. And we would just say, ah, don't worry about it. I'm just going to forget about it. And here in our text, we have a man by the name of Paul, as we know more, but his name was Saul before Christ. And Saul would fit that category. Saul was a man that was despised by Christians. (laughs) Everyone stayed away from Saul. He had all authority to uh, take Christians away and imprison them and even put them to death. And he tells that in his testimony, if you turn back to your text in Acts chapter 26, in his own testimony here, Acts 26 verse 9, Paul says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. That was Paul's expectations of his life. Uh, And he goes on to say in verse 10, Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. He had all authority to do what he did. We, I praise the Lord for America. Uh, Even though we have heard over the last decade or two some horrible things that have happened in a church, nobody, we're not worrying tonight about that. At least... We are not worrying about authorities coming through these back doors and having authority to take us away and imprison us. We are blessed in America. Uh, But Paul, or Saul at this time, he had all authority to do this. And uh, he goes on to talk about, in verse 11, And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceeding mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. This was Saul's life. And uh, I don't know if uh, God wanted the disciples. I'm sure God wanted the disciples to be a witness and a, uh, to reach out to Saul to see him saved. I know uh, through, if you read the scripture, I, the testimony of Stephen and his stoning was uh, a testimony for God to 
Saul, and I believe that's what was bothering Saul when God says, uh, why kickest thou against the pricks, you know, and there was something happening within him. But I believe, you know what, God just, Jesus had to take it into his own hands and say, all right, I'm going to, I got to reach this guy. And he, he gives them a purpose for his life after uh, Jesus comes and talks with Saul. But this is a man that would be scratched off as, this guy's never going to get saved. This guy's never going to trust Christ as a Savior. But, if, but now we know of Paul as the greatest Christian to ever live. I think all of us would testify to that, say, man, this man just lived a life sold out for Christ. I mean, I, you read through the New Testament and the life he lived and what he suffered and all he did for Christ, and you just think, man, this guy was sold out for Christ. Well, if you knew his life before his encounter with Christ, you would say, that's not the same guy. <laughs> And I believe there's many people that God wants to do that change in their life. He wants to turn them from darkness to light. He wants to transform them. But sometimes we uh, put that X upon their life saying they don't want to trust Christ. They don't care about the things of God. How do we turn a world from darkness to light? First, we need to understand that we serve a powerful God. We need to understand that. We need to believe that God is powerful enough to change the most wicked of sinners. And that's what God did in Paul's life. Uh, so much so that uh, even after, uh, he, after Saul got saved and Jesus goes to Ananias and appears to Ananias to go and help Saul, Ananias says, are you sure? <laughs> uh, this guy's had authority to imprison Christians, you know. Kind of reminding God, if in case God forgot. <laughs> and God says, I know, but I need you to go help him. He's, he's one of mine now. He's one of us. <clears throat> and uh, that's how much the disciples didn't expect uh, Saul to get saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you turn over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We can kind of put that on the lives of people around us. And I know I've had to get my mind and make sure my expectations and the way I'm thinking is in line with the Word of God and not my flesh when I go to Portland because I need to love those people that are unlovable. Uh, 70% of Portland is non-religious. I'm sure statistics are probably similar up here, especially if you get closer to Seattle. But 70% non-religious. Someone told me it's actually higher than that. But last I looked, 70%. That's a, that's a large number of people that say, must say that there is no God. Uh, if there is a God, we can't know Him. They don't believe this book to be the Word of God. Uh, whatever their reasoning is, they believe that they can just live life for themselves and do what they want. Uh, there's no God to answer to. So how do you reach these people? How do you share Christ with these people? How do you influence these people with the Word of God and the love of God? We need to believe that God is powerful enough to change their lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? That's a question right there he poses. And he goes on to give more details. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That is an awful list. 
If you were to really break that down and uh, take time to dive into what each of these are saying, that is an awful list and probably would fit a great description of Portland or Seattle or the area around here, the Northwest in general, our whole country in general, just people that are adulterers, they're idolaters, they're, they're abusers of themselves, they're thieves, they're covetous, uh, they're drunkards, revilers. And this is the characteristic that God is looking for. These are the people that God is longing to be saved. You know why I know that? Because look at the next verse. Verse 11, Paul says, And such were some of you, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. See, Paul's saying, have you forgotten what you've been saved from? Uh, I know I don't have the testimony of being saved out of a life of these characteristics, drunkenness or drugs or immorality or any of that stuff, but I know I have the testimony of being saved from that lifestyle. Because if it wasn't for God in my life at an early age and me making a decision to follow Christ in my life, I probably would be on the streets. I probably would have messed up my life and done something, something stupid with my life. We all know our sinfulness and our uh, flesh and the battle we fight uh, in our lives. And if it wasn't for God's influence and the word of God's influence in your life, you know where you would be. It probably wouldn't be a pretty picture without understanding the way God has directed you in your life. Now, we have to understand that our world is distant from the Bible like that. I had the privilege to witness to a uh, boy and a girl, a brother and a sister, when I was 15 years old at a VBS. And uh, talked with them and tried to find out what they understood about the Bible. Well, I talked to them, obviously, first of all, about Jesus Christ and asked them, have you heard about Jesus Christ and how he died on the cross? And they had no idea about that. I said, you know what Easter's about, you know? And, no, I don't know any of that. Uh, I said, well, how about, you know, uh, Noah and the Ark? Have you heard of those names before? David and Goliath. How about the names Adam and Eve? Nothing. Any of the stories that we thought was just common knowledge for people, they, they had no idea what those stories were about or anything. So that shows me that those boys and girls had parents that did not teach them the Word of God. They had parents that probably didn't go to church. They had parents that had no association with this book. Now these kids, I know they didn't get saved that day when I witnessed to them. I gave them some truth from the Word of God and gospel tracts and had them read it. And I'm not sure where they ended up. But let's say they never did trust Christ. Let's say they just decided to keep going down the road they were going. Now they're 30 years old. Now they have probably kids of their own. And they had parents that had no influence on their life with the Bible. And now those kids uh, have, have kids of their own. And they're just becoming more distant the longer uh, life has gone in America. We're becoming more distant from the Bible. Back when I was a kid, even, it seems like everybody had some influence of God's word in their life. Maybe it was a grandma, maybe it was an aunt, uh, some relative. Oh, yeah, I went to church when I was with my aunt or was, I was with so-and-so. You don't have that nowadays. Uh, people are becoming so distant from the word of God, and uh, they're living a life in their own flesh, in their own love of pleasing themselves. 
what do they do throughout the book of Judges over and over again? What's the one phrase that pops out a lot in the book of Judges? They did that which was right in their own eyes. What do we see going on in our country? Everybody doing right what is, what's right in their own eyes. <laughs> That's what they're trying to tell you in school and uh, in society. Just do what feels good. You know, you, YOLO, you only live once, just do what you want to do and what makes you happy. And what do we get? We get chaos. We get destruction. We get sinfulness. It's nothing new that's going on in America is, isn't something new. It's happened thousands of years ago. It's just becoming new to America because we've been blessed in America with the freedoms we've had and uh, the great uh, foundation of our country. But that's being eroded away because we're becoming distant from the Word of God. How do we reach a world that is in darkness? We must believe we have a powerful God that can change the most wicked of sinners. But we also must believe as Christians that you have a purposeful grace. You see, there's nothing wrong with this book. This book is the answer to everybody's problems. I know when I go to Portland, there's going to be a lot of relationship building that I'm going to have to do with folks. I'm praying that maybe there are some that are ready and I'm coming in their life at a great time to share Christ with them. But I'm sure there's going to be many that I'm just going to have to love them. I'm just going to have to do things for them and spend time and money to build a relationship to have an opportunity to share Christ with them. But there's nothing wrong with this book. The world is doing what God knew they would do, right? God knew they would be living in sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't ask for us to get our lives straightened up before coming to him. He, he longed for drunkards and revilers and extortioners and adulterers to be washed in the blood of Christ. So where is the, what's the problem in our country? Well, I think it goes back to uh, the verse that we might be familiar with, with revival in 2 Chronicles. But if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. You see, the problem a lot of times we want to put on the world, or our country is in shambles and just going down the tube because of politics, (laughs) because of uh, the sinfulness of man, or because of this and that. Throughout Scripture, you see where there's a problem, it's a lot of times with God's people saying, hey, just... Get right with me. Do what you're supposed to be doing. Be the light you're supposed, to be, uh, you're supposed to be in your area of this world. Share the gospel with those around you. And God says uh, that he will heal our land. He will uh, bring those to him. He's actively working. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Back in our text of Acts chapter 26, uh, Jesus says to Paul, but, I, but rise and stand upon thy feet, verse 16, uh, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things which I will appear unto thee. So he says, I have given you a purpose. Christian, do you know what God's purpose is for your life? Have you already had that time of prayer with God and wrestled with God to say, God, 
Am I doing exactly what you want? What is it that you want to do with my life? Because when we are saved, we're new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. But I believe many Christians are on this path before salvation of pleasing themselves. They have their career. They have their friends. They have the things they like to pleasure in. And then they uh, come across Christ in their life. Praise the Lord, you have come across Christ and you've accepted Christ as your Savior. And they accept Christ as their Savior and they turn back, going down the same path they were going. <laughs> and they haven't reevaluated. I'm not saying everything has got to change as far as your occupation or uh, maybe some of your hobbies, but there's no time of reevaluation. Okay, is, is, does this please God? Does my occupation, is that what God wants? Um, does God, is God okay with these friends over here? Uh, we need to make sure we run everything through the lens of God's word and the filter of God's word to make sure God is pleased by it. And that's what he's saying here is, I, he says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. In 2019, I really wanted to know that I was doing what God wanted me to do. And I hesitated going into church planning. Uh, I knew God, I believe God called me into church planning, but there was, uh, doors weren't opening for us to go, and uh, we just didn't have direction from the Lord. And I had a lawn business that I started there in Salem, because uh, I was only part-time there at the church. And I started that back in 2013, and it, it grew, and the Lord was blessing it. And I got to a point where I was basically able to give all the profits towards uh, missions and uh, the church there in Salem, and it was a blessing. And I said, God, is this what you want me to do? Do you want me to just be a good businessman here in Salem? And I could easily still help out with the church, be involved with the youth, be involved with children's ministry, be involved in the music ministry, and be a, uh, just a great help overall at that church and run my business, you know, and just be a blessing financially to... Uh, to missionaries and whatever God wanted. And if that's what God's purpose was for my life, and it could have been, if that's what God wanted, then praise the Lord. I'll do that. But I said, Lord, I need to know that I'm doing what you want me to do. I don't want to just go start a church and say, oh, I hope it goes. I don't, but I don't want to say, okay, I guess I'm not going to start a church. I'm going to go run my business because I guess it logically makes sense. You know, I'll get more money. No, I said, I need to know this is what you want me to do, God. And I spent many hours praying and asking God to open doors, show me exactly where you wanted us to go and what he wanted us to do. Because we have to take that time to understand that we have a purpose. You have a purpose. God has something for you in 2023 to accomplish for him. He's given you a purpose through his grace in your life. Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll read just a few more verses here, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 8. This is a great chapter about the resurrection of Christ. And uh, when it gets down to verse 8, it he says, this is Paul, says, And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. That's talking about his encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus. And then he says in verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, and am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. You see, I, you know, I'm not worthy to go to Portland. <laughs> in my sinfulness, it humbles me every time I think about it deeply with God. And I say, God, you really want me to go start a church in Portland? I can't do this. I'm not worthy to do this. 
But look at the next verse. I love what he says in the next verse. Three times in this verse, you're going to see the word grace. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Three times the word grace. You see, God's grace is amazing. I, I don't think any of us will be able to understand God's grace fully here on earth. But, you know, I know a lot of times we think of God's grace with salvation, which is true. Uh, for by grace are you saved through faith. Um, and God's grace is salvation, and salvation is God's grace. But a lot of times we think, oh, that's the end of God's grace. <laughs> no, God's grace gives us so much more. And it's only because of God's grace you can do what you do for Christ. That you can be the witness you are for Christ. That's only because of God's grace in your life. And that's what Paul's trying to say here. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You put limits on God when you don't accomplish his purpose through his grace in your life. I believe God, I, probably in my own life too, I believe God wants to do so much more with me through his grace in my life. And uh, I believe with many Christians, God wants to do so much through our life because of his grace and our unbelief and our disbelief and our, uh, that's what limits God. But he goes on to say, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. A few years ago, that phrase popped out to me. I've read this verse many times, uh, but that phrase just popped out to me. And I realized we are allowed to let God's grace be in vain. That's what Paul is saying here. He says, but the grace of God which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. And I thought, I don't want God's grace to be in vain in my life. What, is, what do I mean by God's grace being in vain? Well, he gives a little bit more light on that in the next phrase. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So why, how did he not let the grace of God in his life be in vain? Because he just labored for God. He said, I want to labor for God and do anything I can to promote God in this world. That's how we keep God's grace from being in vain. But if you live for yourself, you decide, I, I got things I want to do in life. I have my plans. I have my goals in life. Uh, the things I want to accomplish. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to ask God if he, he wants me to go here or there. If he wants me to go to the mission field. If he wants me to go start a church in Seattle. I don't have time for that. That's allowing God's grace to be in vain. God wants to do so much through us Christians beyond our abilities, beyond our imagination, if we can just surrender to do what God wants to do in our life. God wants to accomplish so much through you, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. God has a purposeful grace in your life. God is a powerful God. And I hope you can... If you can take anything from this evening, understand that God has so much power beyond our understanding to save the most wicked of sinners, but also to accomplish so much in your life through his purpose that he has for you. Are you accomplishing God's purpose? You say, what can I do for God? I, I got this disability or I'm over the age of 80. Does God really have a purpose? I had somebody ask me that. Do you think God really has a purpose for me? I think she was about 82 or 84 or something like that. And I was like, yes, God has something for you this year. 
God has you here for a reason. Uh, God has a purpose for you. Do you know God's purpose? If you don't know God's purpose in your life, I pray that you take time to really pray. Get alone with God. Talk with your pastor. Just get serious with God and say, am I really doing what you want, Lord? Am I accomplishing your purpose for, for your life? Because I hope you have a desire like Paul did to not let God's grace be in vain in your life. Don't allow God's grace to be done in vain. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for the testimony of Paul, Lord. I know a lot of times we think about just the great man of God that he was and how he accomplished so much for you and uh, just lived a life sold out for the things of God. But his life before Christ was not something we would really want to associate with, Lord. And the persecution, the authority he had to persecute the church and Christians, Lord. But yet, you saw the value in his life. You saw that you can accomplish so much through his life with your grace, Lord. And I believe, that, I believe you see that in our lives, Lord. We would probably be right there hand in hand with uh, Saul, Lord, if it wasn't for Christ in our life. And you see so much value beyond our abilities, beyond our works, Lord, that you want to accomplish in our life, Lord, through your grace. And I pray that uh, everyone here that uh, knows you as their Savior, Lord, I pray that they would just be able to take time to really understand your grace in their life and how you have a great purpose to accomplish through them, Lord. And I pray if anyone here isn't saved, that they would know and understand the power of God in salvation, Lord, to forgive their sins. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Pastor.